In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, it is great to be back at Holy Cross. It really is. Um, I'll tell you, the last time I was here, and I have people here. Uh, the, la- the last time uh, I preached here, uh, we pre- preached to an empty congregation. I have to tell you, it's a different feel. <laughs> but, um, but I just want to say thank you for your prayers, uh, for Allison and me as we continue to serve as your missionaries to the wider church, uh, serving as bishop of the diocese and archbishop of the Anglican Church in North America and also the chairman of GAFCON. So thank you. Allison's here. Uh, some of y'all are new, don't know who she is. Raise your hand. There you go. There's Allison. And... Um, we're really grateful. It, we can tell when people are praying, and it just makes all the difference. Also, I wanted to say thank you for being the cathedral and your ministry as a cathedral. I don't know if you realize the, the cathedral uh, is called a cathedral because it's the, where the chair of the bishop is. That's, that's what that is, and uh, the cathedral. But also, uh, the role of, of a cathedral is, is also to be like the mother church of the diocese, to help minister to other churches and, and, and help in that way, and, and also, if possible, to be like a ministry center for the diocese. And under Dean Michael's leadership and the staff here and, you, and your leadership here in the church, you all have just done a great job. So I just want to say thank you for that. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, send forth your spirit. Come and speak your word as only you know how to speak it. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear these words from Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, my salvation and my God. These are challenging times in which we live. All over the world is confusion conflict, and discord. Closer to home, we're facing our own challenges as well, as if normal life didn't offer its own challenges, like facing medical procedures or illness or paying the bills or getting the car worked on or family problems or problems at work. And now we've been facing this pandemic of COVID-19, civil unrest in our cities and heightened racial tensions and extremely bitter and loud elections all over the country. The pandemic of COVID-19 has changed our whole way of living, how we fellowship with friends, how we clean our houses, how we greet one another, how we shop for groceries, how we work, how we worship, how we go to school, how we use our computers and smartphones. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their health. People have lost their community. Many have lost loved ones and friends, and some have faced incredible struggle when they've gotten this virus. And in the middle of this pandemic, we've had seen violence and murder erupt in our cities, buildings burned down, families, or business, family businesses destroyed, innocent children killed, police officers and first responders attacked just because of who they are. Racial conflict is at an all-time high that we've not seen in our nation for over 50 years. And their concerns over injustice, it just abounds in all kinds of crimes that keeps coming to us in new ways every day. We've also seen civil discourse degrade to a low I've never seen in my lifetime. 
illustrated by the cancel culture mentality, which basically says if, if I don't agree with you 100% on every issue, then you write me off. And this has affected family relationships, longtime friendships, work environments, the government, and even in the church. Now, my intent this morning is not to critique all these major issues of the tsunami that's hit us, but to speak to what these things have seemingly done to us. As followers of Jesus, we know that none of this has taken God by surprise. And yet so many of us are discouraged, downcast, extremely anxious, fearful, depressed. Too many of us have lost our hope. Without hope, we're like ships sailing without a harbor. Without hope, we're like smartphones without the internet. Without hope, we find ourselves in a never-ending cycle of discouragement and disappointment. God wants you and me to have hope in this ever-changing world. As Psalm 42 says twice, Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Hope is the anticipation of a good future. It's having faith or believing that, that God is working out his purposes in the world and in our lives. Hope is the anticipation of a good future. It's having faith. It's believing that God is working out his purposes in the world and in my life. Now, the basis of our hope is God and what he's done for us in Jesus and his promises based on the word of God. There are many things we could say about God's hope, but here are a few. God gives us hope for eternal life. God gives us hope in his abiding presence. God gives us hope in answering our prayers. God gives us hope in his unchanging promises in the word of God. So this morning... I would like to focus on one of these. God gives us hope in his abiding presence. In his abiding presence. The Lord be with you, I often say, and you'll say back, and also with you, right? Do you really believe the Lord is with you? Do you really believe his abiding presence is with you? When you and I are aware of God's abiding presence, we have hope in our lives. Why? Because we realize, we know, we are aware that we are not alone. That whatever we are facing, the Lord is with us. His abiding presence gives us hope. So let's look at this from several different angles this morning. God gives us hope in his abiding presence because, number one, our position in Christ, our position in Christ. When you and I receive Jesus as our Savior and as our Lord, when we become his follower, when we enter into a relationship with God, the Father, through Jesus, his Son, positionally, we are in Christ. When, when the Father looks at you and me, he views you and me through his Son. All of our sins have been nailed to the cross and we've been made perfect from God's perspective, although we're not perfect, because he sees us through Jesus' blood. We've changed position. Jesus says it this way in John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. He has passed from death to life. We're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. We have been transferred into the kingdom of light. This is a big deal. We have moved positions. We are now in Christ. Sometime when, when you have some extra time, uh, spend some time and read through the epistles in the New Testament, the letters. And every time you see the phrase, in Christ, or in Him, underline it. You will be amazed what it says, especially uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, of all these things and benefits because we are in Him. So first, God gives us hope in His abiding presence and that we are now in Christ. Secondly, God gives us hope in His abiding presence with the presence of the Holy Spirit. With the presence of the Holy Spirit. What happens when we become followers and disciples of Jesus? What happens when we ask Jesus into our lives? He quickens our spirit. It's, it was dead. He makes it alive by the Holy Spirit. We are born of the Spirit. We're born again, as the Bible says, which means God himself indwells us with his presence. This is one of the most amazing things to me in following Jesus. It just gets my head spinning sometimes. That God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, God himself to be with us and in us. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the Apostle Peter has just finished preaching this long sermon, and people are convicted, and they're saying, what must we do? And Peter says this, repent and be baptized, each one of you for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, the Apostle Paul is trying to explain the salvation experience that happens to people. And he says, God saved us, not because of works done for us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing, and regener washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, who has been poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And Jesus said it this way. In John chapter 14, verse 16, he's getting ready to uh, head to the cross and, and, and leave planet Earth. And he says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. God is with us, literally, in the presence of of the Holy Spirit. You cannot go anywhere where the Holy Spirit is not with you. You cannot go through anything when the Holy Spirit is not there with you, with his presence, with his guidance, with his directions, with his comfort, with his joy, with the gifts of the Spirit, and with his hope. So, God gives us hope in his abiding presence by our position in Christ. God gives us hope in his abiding presence by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And third, God gives us hope in his abiding presence in the promises of Jesus. And I could go through numerous promises, but I'm just going to give you a couple this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he's speaking to his disciples, and now he's speaking to us. 
I am with you always to the end of the age. Did you realize this? He says, I will never leave you. This means he's always with you. Now, he does this through the presence of the Spirit. But yes, that means he's there when you're happy. That means he's there when you're angry. That means he's there when you sin or when you reject him or you ignore him. He says, I will never leave you. I know. I know. Well, what about this? And what about that? Where, where is he? He's with you. Last summer, Allison and I had been traveling, and then I'd had some other traveling, uh, doing the work of the archbishop. And I was at home catching up on yard work, and so I was on the front porch of our house with our blower, a little backpack blower, and, and I was blowing off the, the, the debris. And the next thing I know, pop, a yellow jacket stings me. Then another one, then another one. And I, so I take off running, going across the front yard. I drop the backpack, and I'm swatting, trying to make sure I don't get any more stun, stings. But I had four or five of them. And I, I go in the house, and I'm putting medicine on, trying to... Uh, Soothe my pity party that I was having. Lord, why did you got this happen to me? And you know, da 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 da. And I, I hear this still small voice say, well, You know, you need to go find out where that nest is. And so I kind of sneak back up to the front porch and I'm kind of watching it. And I see these, these yellow jackets going up under the wicker furniture. Uh, we had a, a wicker love seat. And I thought, well, I can't really see, you know, trying to figure out well, how do you kill them, you know. So I get a long pole, and I do this thing, and then I, I stick it under the, the wicker chair, and I flip it over. And when I flip it over, the cushion falls out, and literally thousands of yellow jackets. Now, you know yellow jackets sting. I mean, that's why Georgia Tech has them as their, their mascot, because in the fall, they really do sting, and it hurts. Uh, but, I mean, thousands of them were swarming. They had built a huge nest under the cushion, in the cushion between the, the wicker and the cushion. And then the Lord said, what would have happened if you had sat on that? Or if someone else had sat on that? It would have killed them. It would have killed them. Yes, things happen in this world. But the Lord promises to be with us. And he is. God gives us hope in his abiding presence by our position in Christ, by, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and by the promises of Jesus. And a fourth thing I'd like to add this morning is that he gives us hope in his abiding presence when we practice the presence of God. And I get this term, practice the presence of God. This actually was made popular by a monk of the 17th century by the name of Brother Lawrence. Practicing the presence of God is living with an awareness that God is with you every moment of the day. It's praying without ceasing. It's talking and worshiping and communing with the Lord all day long with everything you're going through. Practicing the presence of the Lord is constantly walking and living in God's presence. It's abiding in Christ. As Jesus said in John 15, 5, abide in me and what? I will abide in you. Practicing the presence of God. Brother Lawrence uh, talked about this in his own life, and he wrote this. The time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, 
He, he was a, a cook in the monastery. In the noise and clatter of my kitchen, with several persons all at the same time calling for different things, I possessed God in his great tranquility as if I were on my knees before the blessed sacrament. You see the picture there? I mean, all this chaos going on in the kitchen, and then, then he's, in, he's in prayer or he's receiving communion. Same sense of the presence of God. that He's in that communion with him. Brother Lawrence also writes, he says, I make it my business only to persevere in his holy presence, where I keep myself by a simple attention. You know, I'm, I'm, my attention is there. And a general fond regard to God, or to speak better, a habitual, silent, and secret conversation of the soul with God. Isn't that good? A, a habitual, silent, and secret conversation of the soul with God. And sometimes... The joy and raptures are so great inwardly and sometimes outwardly that I'm forced to moderate them and prevent them from others to see. Because, you know, in the monastery, you're not supposed to be too happy. You're supposed to be curious. Practicing the presence of God, that continually awareness that God is with you, talking with him, communion, fellowship with him all day long. Learning to acknowledge and participate in the abiding presence of God in one's life, takes you out of the despair and the disappointment the world is constantly putting in your path and into the hope and the peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit. I've been doing a study on the life of Joseph from the Old Testament in, in Genesis. And as you know the story of Joseph, he had all these bad things happen to him. And something just jumped off the pages not a, while, a little while back. Joseph would have these things happen, and it would say, and the Lord was with him. He was thrown in jail. And the, and the Lord was with him. Well, how did we know the Lord was with him? Because Joseph was aware that the Lord's abiding presence was with him, and, and he told somebody, or nobody would have known. Brothers and sisters, in times that we now live, as in any time, really, God wants you to have this hope within you. He doesn't want you fretting, anxious, and worried about where he is in your life. He wants you to live in peace and joy and in his love. He wants you to have his hope. God is so confident that you can have this hope, that he has the, the apostle Peter write and encourage you to be ready to share it with others when they ask about it. This is 1 Peter 3, 15. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is within you. Sadly, too many of us don't have this hope. We're discouraged, we're depressed, we're isolated, we feel alone. Here again the words of Psalm 42.5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray together. First, hear the prayer of the Apostle Paul from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Father, there may be some here today that don't know you, that don't have that relationship with you. 
And they don't understand the hope that we're talking about. I pray that you would draw them to yourself, that you'd bring them to a place where they would be able to confess their sin to you, receive your forgiveness, and enter into that dynamic, alive, real relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.